Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of the Sports Unite Podcast. This is a very special episode because we are starting our fandom series. I know I've been talking about it for so long. You thought I was probably just pulling your leg, just never going to happen. Well, it's finally here and we have our first guest, mystery guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? I feel really special to be the first one. Um, my name is Sophie, and I'm from Gander, Newfoundland. All the way the other side of the country. Uh, thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're going to get into the interview just a little bit later. But first, we have to go through our normal procedure, which includes uh, the news you need to know. Uh, we already had the Scotties happen, and then the Briar uh, just finished up a wonderful curling tournament. Sophie, did you watch any? Uh, have you watched any curling so far? Um, I didn't watch the games. Um, I did follow the scores, though. Um, I follow Brad Gushu quite closely because our friend also curls out of St. John's, and he's usually up against Brad. So I try to follow his um his games yes i was a little surprised that he he lost out i guess not in the finals i guess be disappointed like i'm on the team but uh i figured <laughs> that he would uh make it all the way to the finals but uh it was a very strong uh field this year for people not having that big of an opportunity to play so the quality was very very high and um uh, team alberta took it uh, after finishing second twice, uh, they finally got over that hump and will represent Canada at the uh, end of this month at the uh, World Men's Curling Championship in the Calgary bubble. And uh, yeah, so far so good for the curling bubble. No, uh, no problems. That's good. And we have a potential merger in the air uh, between uh, the CFL, the Canadian Football League, and the XFL. Third time's a charm. It's already died mm -hmm. twice, but uh, uh, if you didn't know, it's now owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, and his business partners. Uh, and uh, they're looking at a partnership, they're calling it. Uh, but what many people are saying is that it's some form of merger, whether they will play each other. Uh, is, so much is in the air, including what rules are you going to use? Uh, what exactly what it would look like? There's so much history for the CFL teams have been around for over 100 years. The Grey Cup is the longest uh trophy given out it's the oldest trophy given out uh, in north american sports so there's lots of history with the cfl and lots of fans that are very much tied to that don't want to see change but there's lots of younger fans that uh, i know this change would help uh what side do you land on with this i don't follow this <laughs> <laughs> So I'm probably not the best to weigh in. <laughs> well, you're you're Canadian, so it affects you. It's it's almost like a uh, you get a a, a right uh, as a Canadian to uh, see what happens to the Grey Cup. Uh, 
Um, but uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. It's, it's don't know how to feel about it yet. Can I ask a question? Of course. What's the difference between, well, like, I know what the CFL is. What's the XFL? <laughs> well, the XFL <laughs> is the extreme football league. Okay. Um, uh, that's what it was. And then it just is the XFL. Uh, it started the early 2000s and it was seen as extreme. So there weren't things like kickoffs. There was two guys running to collect the ball first. You could put whatever name you wanted on the back. Uh, there are little like quirks, uh, like you could hear the players on the field in the stadium. Uh, it was it was more like to entice the fans and be edgy and extreme because it was owned by Vince McMahon, who owns the WWE. Hmm. Failed out after one year, and then he brought it back, and it started to play in 2020 and looked to be better. Uh, they got four weeks into the season before everything had to shut down and that just uh, caused the league to uh, die again but uh, <laughs> but the rock came in and bought it and if nothing were to happen it looks like they're going to start to play again in 2022 but that all depends on what comes of this uh, partnership if you will well, if it means for more things to watch, um, it honestly can't be that bad. More entertainment. That's true. And the CFL didn't get to play last year. Just just too expensive. Mm -hmm. So if this means the difference between no CFL and CFL, of course, I would rather a world where the CFL exists. It's just going to be different. Definitely. We all know how well we do with differences and changes. So... <laughs> You mean not good? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to transition to uh, news that will unite us all. This is our feel-good news segment where we try and get different uh, news stories or things that have happened. Uh, just so you know about it because uh, everyone needs a little bit more of that in this world. And we're going to head to the world of disc golf. Sophie, have you ever played disc golf before? I have not played it. But I was literally just talking to my husband about it just before, and it sounds really fun. It's uh, because it, I picked up golf last oh, summer. Yeah, and I've, yeah, you're very yeah, your family's like, very big in golf. So I'm like, that would be really really fun. <laughs> it's I, I think it's sneakily becoming more and more popular, uh, especially with this past year. It's a great social distance sport. Uh, and there are actual parks and courses uh, set up uh, around the country and around North America. And uh, the Disc Golf League is getting even bigger because uh, there are professional disc golfers. There's uh, always seems to be a few. But Paul Macbeth has received <laughs> a $10 million endorsement deal, which is... yes. I mean, any endorsement deal is amazing, but for a, I don't want to say a niche sport, but not as popular sport, that is an insane amount of money uh, to throw in. But uh, I guess a lot of people see disc golf on the rise and uh, this, you implant 
popular players or good players. So you create a base, give them an endorsement deal. They buy your product. Uh, I just, you know, disc golf is the way of the future, it seems. I can't wait. I want to I want to try it now. Well, uh, look, look for the Paul Macbeth line of um, of discs or uh, I'm trying to remember what they call them. Gear. But, uh, gear. Get your get your putter frisbee. Get your driver frisbee. It's it's uh, going to be a lot. Uh, and we had a first in the curling. It sounds world. like it would be really interesting to watch, but like really terrible to play. Like as, <laughs> I don't know, like, like to control it. <laughs> yeah, you. This is a sport that you will see uh, if you think you're good at throwing a frisbee or a disc. They call it. <laughs> and it's not a frisbee. Is what you play at playtime, but uh, this is where you find out how accurate and how well you think you throw a disc. I mean, I love Ultimate Frisbee, so. We did have a first in the curling world, uh, as it was the first time two skips who are uh, open members of the LGBTQ plus community faced each other. Uh, the two skips were from Ontario and Newfoundland, uh, and it shows just how far we have come in sports and uh, the possibilities that we have uh, to look forward to in the future. Um, do you know who this year's Team Newfoundland was? Yes, um, I do know because we followed that quite closely. Uh, it's called the Tankard here, where that's their provincial championship. And our friend Trent, who um, has Team Skeins, played in it. Um, Greg Smith is actually the skip for Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's his team that won this year. He's a really nice guy. Well, there you go. And uh, yeah, look forward to this. This can only be more inclusive. Uh, curling's not seen as a, a barrier breaker in the world of sports, uh, but if it can help in any certain way, uh, you know, curling's anytime I've played curling, everyone doesn't matter if they're beating you 10, nothing, or it's a close game. They're mm -hmm. always giving you pointers on uh, how to better what mistakes you're doing. Uh, they want uh, more people to, to grow the game since curling was always seen as a uh, retirement game or a game where uh, you could hold the beer and play at the same time. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's gotten a lot more crazier over the years, uh, more fitness than ever before. People are in amazing mm -hmm. shape uh, for a game where you glide on ice. Uh, so it's almost like golf where it went from, <laughs> Oh, you could just hit a ball. You could smoke and do all that. And, and then you're uh, doing up at 4 a.m. doing fitness regimes before you play. So it's seen a turn uh, and it looks like it's uh, for the better. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, it's a, it, I guess it was a leisure sport like golf is. And um, it's definitely gotten a lot more attention, I think in the last couple of years, which is really good. All right. We have our uh, segment right here. It's called Say Something Nice. And I particularly picked this one for you, Sophie. <laughs> it is uh, Pink Whitney and the Spit and Chicklet podcast. Um, tell us about your love of Pink Whitney 
Um, I don't love it as much as my husband does because <laughs> I don't drink as much as he does. But, but once we were able to um, get it in Canada, it was a really big thing and it kept selling out in liquor stores. So by the time we actually got to try it, it was just before quarantine last year. And um, Jason's a big lemonade fan, big vodka fan. So just like Ryan Whitney, loves it. Um, we have discovered, though, that you need to mix it. Do not drink it straight like most people do. <laughs> yes, I, I do agree. Otherwise, it, what will happen? Wait, is this like, a, am I allowed to tell a story about drinking or no? Of, of course. <laughs> um. Basically, Jason's relationship with Pink Whitney kind of has hit a, hit a wall because at Halloween, within not even an hour, he went from a full bottle of Pink Whitney to not very much, and we had to leave the Halloween party because it did not transpire well. Oh, no. <laughs> so he actually hasn't, I think he's had like one drink of Pink Whitney since Halloween, just for that reason. Um, so hopefully it comes back. <laughs> it's summertime's coming around. That that lemonade. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a nice refreshing beverage. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's. It's also really good to mix with um, Christmas slush. I don't know if that's a thing on the mainland, but um, we always make Christmas slush in Newfoundland. So it's basically already full of like vodka, orange juice, pineapple juice, and it's frozen. And you usually mix it with um, like Seven Up or something fizzy. My friend decided to mix it with Pink Whitney, <laughs> and it was still good, but dangerous. That sounds very dangerous. Might have to investigate that. My yeah. my grandmother every uh, every summer they'd make slush. They called it that, and essentially just like how you described, yeah. they put it in a one of those uh, Coleman coolers. And you just kind of have a scoop in there. You oh, we put ours and... in a salt beef bucket. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the ingenuity you can think of to hold a large uh, amount of slush. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's exploded here in Canada, Pink Winnie. I'm sure in the same in the United States. Uh, and just if you've never listened to the podcast, uh, you love hockey. Uh, go ahead and listen to it, of course, after listening to this episode. But uh, even throughout all that's uh, happened, uh, they keep a smile on your face. They tell stories. You get the uh, kind of fan side, the the professional side. They bring on uh, crazy guests that uh, this podcast could only dream of getting. Uh, but uh, We'll work on it, Justin. We'll work on it. We're working on it. We're, we'll get a sponsor. We'll get people on here. Uh, and they always seem to have cool contests. Uh, and I think uh, yes, you may do. have entered uh, a contest or two. Yes. Um, you obviously saw my picture. Um, they were running a contest for a um, custom Pink Whitney shot machine. So all you had to do was take a picture. Um, they came out with Pink Whitney minis or Mickey's or like, you know, the little things. Um, we can't get them here in Newfoundland, but um, you could still take a picture of like your full bottle of Pink Whitney. So what we decided to do was we packed up our dogs, went to the golf course um, where 
a lot of people snowshoe here during the winter. Um, we picked a uh, spot that overlooks Gander Lake. It's a really good day. I put a hockey helmet on my dog, which he hated. And we took our picture to uh, enter for the sweepstakes. And hopefully um, they were drawing, I think, a winner every like couple of weeks. And the contest ends in March. But I do listen to the podcast a lot and um, decide to enter. Well, hopefully you get, uh, what do they call on the podcast? The, the bump, the, the chiclets yep. bump. So <laughs> uh, let's hope that this gives you the bump uh, to win that contest. Uh, it was a, a great photo. Of course, uh, I'm a sucker for your dogs. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, they win in my books. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into your dogs uh in a little bit uh but we're gonna <laughs> head to our olympic countdown yes every week we uh, dissect a an event at the summer olympics in anticipation for the delayed 2020 tokyo olympics and this week's event is equestrian uh have you ever ridden a horse before sophie uh yes i have i think i was probably six or seven maybe i did not like it <laughs> um have you ever watched an equestrian uh event before i don't think i've watched it fully but like when the olympics are or when the olympics are on or if that is on like a sports channel i think i flick through it but it's not something that quite interests me but i do give a lot of kudos to people that do it because i don't know i find horses terrifying or anything that you can't predict terrifying uh, a lot of people get seriously hurt uh and it's it's crazy to think because you're you just see oh someone's riding on a horse how can you get hurt it's a long way down some of those horses are very very tall mm-hmm. well uh in the olympic uh equestrian side there are three different events in there there's dressage eventing and jumping uh, if you've only ever seen jumping, pretty uh, pretty standard. Uh, but the other two events are uh, very, very interesting. So uh, qualification-wise, there are 200 spots, which is a lot. Plus, it's really 400 because there's 200 horses. Um, not so much 200, I guess, but 75 for jumping, 65 for eventing, and 60 for dressage. Uh, a lot more than I ever thought. Now, Canada Definitely. has had some success in the equestrian before with famous rider Ian Miller, who took part in 10 Olympic Games, which is a record for any athlete in any sport. That's quite a long span. That's it's a lot of Olympic games. Uh, equestrian made its debut at the uh, 1900 Olympics, but came back fully and has been on the program in some form or another since the 1912 Olympics uh, and is looked after after the FEI, the Federation Equestrian Internacional. Uh, up until 1952, only gentlemen, in quotation marks, however you determine a gentleman, and military officers were allowed to compete. So uh, just no one with a horse off the street could compete, I guess. That's not, well, I mean, it was the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, starting in 1952, all men were allowed to compete, uh, and women began to compete in the dressage, uh, because that sounds the most ladylike, I guess. <laughs> uh, women oh were then allowed to fully compete, uh, or sorry, allowed to compete in jumping in 1956, and then fully in everything uh, for eventing in 1964. That's pretty fast progress, though, if you look at it. It is, yeah. They they uh, they change their minds pretty pretty quickly, um, and we'll get into eventing. Eventing is pretty extreme, <laughs> uh, but uh, also. A fun note, in 1956 at the Olympics, they were held in Melbourne, Australia, but because of the harsh uh, quarantine and equestrian quarantine uh, standards for animals coming into Australia, uh, they decided to hold the equestrian events in Stockholm, Sweden, which is... Oh, that's interesting. I never knew that. Very, very far away from Australia, but uh, that's what they decided to do uh so the event dressage dressage sounds the most fanciest uh there's a team and individual component in the event you must demonstrate different types of movement based and uh based on that you are given a score essentially it sounds the fanciest because it is. You just move on the horse. You show that you have posture and turns and cantering. And uh, based on that, you're given a score. Team medals are won based on the highest combined score. And then obviously individual, it's every person for itself. Eventing. That seems interesting. It, it's very old school, if you will. Um, yeah. It, uh, it doesn't excite me, I guess, but uh, that is, uh, I'm not a horse person, if you will, so I'm sure it excites the horse people. Eventing. So this is a interesting one. It is a, I don't want to call it a mixed event, but that's essentially what it is. So in this event, a single horse and rider compete in three different competitions, including the dressage the cross-country course, and show jumping. So the dressage portion is done uh, the same as described above. Cross-country uh, is a, essentially think of cross-country running compared to like track and field. So in track and field, you have the hurdles. That's what uh, you would consider show jumping in horses. But cross country is you mm -hmm. have to go over water and up hills and down, uh, down, down hills over a steeplechase uh, or barriers and compete it in a time. So uh, the lower the score. That sounds intense. It, it's very intense and it's kind of intense for the horse. Like uh, they're really constantly going and they really have to carry the load uh, on that. I guess the rider just has to make sure that they're telling the horse what to do and not falling down. Uh, but you can get pen penalty points uh, for not doing an obstacle. So if the horse says no, you can choose not to do it, but you get points. Uh, or being too slow. So there's, there's a standard time. 
And if you are slower than that time, then you start to accumulate points. Uh, show jumping, same as kind of described, you're in a, a ring and there's a pattern or a, uh, a course that you have to complete. Course. So you have to do uh, 15, 17 jumps to changes all the time. Uh, if you knock something over, you get uh, a point. And then if you are slower than the projected time, you start to get more points. To qualify, uh, it starts uh, way back in 2018 with the World Equestrian Games. Uh, there are different qualification events and continental championships with all leads to points and rankings. Uh, all the qualification has happened already. Uh, in teams, if a team qualifies uh, for the Olympics, it consists of three horses and riders. And any team that qualifies receives three entries into that individual event because there are team components and uh, individual components for all three events. Countries that don't qualify, teams can get one spot in dressage and jumping and can get up to two individual spots for eventing. Uh, teams can qualify through the World Equestrian Games or Continental Games. Uh, individuals get qualification through rankings uh, through those different events from World Championships, Continental to uh, World Famous Horse Shows that uh, qualify for points rankings. Japan automatically gets uh, a qualification into each event. Uh, and you will notice there is no division between men and women. This is one of the unique events that is mixed. You can have girls and guys competing uh, on a team, uh, which is very unique. That's awesome. At the 2016 Olympics, Germany finished at the top with six medals total. Uh, and there were only seven different nations that won medals completely. France, Great Britain, and USA finished with three medals total. Sweden, Australia, and Canada all finished with one. Uh, another cool fact is that at the 1976 Olympics in Montreal, uh, Princess Anne, who is the daughter of Queen Elizabeth, uh, competed. And so uh, the dear queen and the whole family did a tour of Canada and watched her compete at the Olympics. And then in 2012, Zara Phillips, who's the daughter of Princess Anne, competed in the 2012 Olympics in London and won a silver medal. And her mom presented her with that medal. That's kind of nice. That's a nice sentiment. Yeah, you can see in the photo that uh, they're both kind of really smiling because they they can kind of tell what this, how cool of a moment is, uh, which is cool to see from, I guess, the royal family. They don't always uh, show candid emotion, uh, not always allowed. <laughs> or any emotion. Or any emotion. <laughs> and speaking of emotion, that's a great segue. We are going to get into uh, the reason why I'm sure you're all listening. Uh, the question... Uh, and kind of interview of Sophie. So again, thank you so much for coming uh, on and uh, listening to the podcast and being a fan. Um, 
What, uh, what is it about sports that draws you in uh, to cheer and watch? Um, it's basically, it's something entertaining. It's something that you can follow. Um, it's an easy conversational topic between any um, generation, I find, um, because I talk to my father-in-law about hockey a lot. Do you find it uh, as an escape? as a hobby, as an addiction, exhausting, exciting, everything combined? It's probably everything combined. Um, it's definitely a hobby for sure. Um, I played ice hockey once. That didn't go well. Um, I really enjoyed ball hockey, though. But um, I really uh, enjoy following um, the NHL because we do a um, hockey pool every year. That's an aid of a breakfast program here in Gander. So basically, you pick your there's like, I think 20 boxes and you pick one person per, like there's five players in each box. And basically you're following their progress throughout the whole season to see if they get you points. It's also known as very infuriating when you uh, follow people that you know have done well or are going to do well, but you pick someone else. In this case, I am cursing McDavid, but that is <laughs> that. All right, so let's take it way back uh to understand you uh what is your earliest memory of watching or playing a sport um we watched a lot growing up we watched a lot of basketball um and a little bit of hockey um i did play a lot of different sports um my earliest memory was probably figure skating though or like can skate i remember having like a huge bike helmet on and little plastic skates and it well i mean i only stayed in it for a couple of years um but that's probably my earliest memory oh those big helmets uh. especially uh, when they dress you up in the um wasn't it the um the like the end of year show and then like your costume is like your helmet's part of the costume yep <laughs> they put fabric all over top plague. of it and yeah that's the only thing that's plaguing me right now <laughs> Uh, did you grow up in a sports house? Um, not really. Um, none of my siblings really played a lot of sports. Um, and again, we only followed it like casually, like if there was a basketball game on or if there was a hockey game on, it would be there. But we never really had any um, teams we rooted for. My dad did grow up as a marathon runner though. And my mom did a lot of um, aerobics and yoga. So those are, I think those are more like fitness terms than sports, but that's that. Um, so did you uh, play, uh, I know you said can skate, uh, but was there an age growing up where you uh, were put into uh to figure skating or hockey or basketball uh to try it out um i believe i played soccer like during the summer um i was put in basketball and volleyball probably like we would play on the school sports teams that's all we had i never played hockey but i did continue figure skating for a few years and i was in dance um for quite a few years when i was younger did you have a favorite team growing up or was it just 
uh, the closest professional team to you? We um, we followed the Edmonton Oilers, actually, because um, Edmonton was the city my family immigrated to. So when they came um, around 88, 89, that was kind of, I can't remember the exact year Gretzky was traded. I meant to look that up. But um, the Edmonton Oilers, like they're, it's a big hockey city. So we followed the Oilers. My sister followed the Canucks because of her love for Trevor Linden. And we watched um, we watched a bit of basketball, uh, the Raptors, and what was then the Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh, the Vancouver Grizzlies. I think I still have a basketball. I think that's what Jason said he saw in my mom's garage was like, we still have like memorabilia. Ooh, nice. Uh, so you said you did uh, mostly sports uh, at your school. What was your um, what was your favorite uh, to play in school? Um, I enjoyed playing volleyball um, over basketball, but um, I always played both every year. Uh, volleyball was just something that was actually um, my sisters and my brother played in high school before me as well. So it's just kind of something that we could play together um, during the recreation league as well. Um, and also my sister coached my grade eight volleyball team, which was nice. Do you find it easier now? <laughs> volleyball is not a, a, a hugely watched sport here in North America as it no, is it uh, in Europe and around the world. Uh, but do you find it easier to follow a sport? Uh, that you have experience playing in? Um, it doesn't get a lot of coverage. So it's super difficult. There is like, when we would turn on like TSN or Sportsnet, and there's very, very few times that a volleyball, like a full volleyball game would be covered. So we didn't really follow a lot of it growing up. Um, did watch a lot of it during the Olympics though. So uh, when you were able to, uh, uh, if you had to pick, what would be your uh, favorite sport to watch uh, on TV if you had to pick? Like right now, currently? Yeah, right now, sure. Hockey. Uh, so big now, hockey fan. big <laughs> hockey. So now it's the time you have to... Uh, no going backsies. Uh, you have to pledge your allegiance uh, to your team. Who is your allegiance dedicated to? Um, I think you know this, <laughs> but it's the Chicago Blackhawks. And it's going to be really hard to change that because my dog is named after the team. Yes. Yeah, so let's get into this. Yes. Yeah, so you are such a fan that uh, you're, you're, your first child, if you will, is named uh, in honor of that team, which uh, I don't think I'm allowed to do. But uh, so you're very lucky. Um, how uh, was that an easy decision? To name the dog or to pick the Blackhawks? Uh, to name the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was kind of like in the moment. Like we didn't think about it. So when we went to get the puppy, 
uh, we wanted one of the brown ones in the litter, but they were spoken for. So there was only a few um, like black ones left and we were playing with them. This one goofy little dog came up to us and quote unquote pooped in our like arms because that's how special he was. Um, and then the um, the breeders asked if we had a name picked out because we wouldn't be able to obviously take the puppy home for eight more weeks. So they're like, "Do you, is there a name that you want us to start calling it during the day just to see if we'll recognize it? And um, we did it as a joke because that's the one team both me and my husband can agree on that we like. And he was black, so it's like a play on words slash like a pun. A lot of people didn't get it at first. So he is black <laughs> and his name is Bach. So uh, what made you fall in love uh, with the Blackhawks? Um, my husband doesn't like it when I say this answer, but it's the most honest answer that I can come up with. Um, Jonathan Tapes. <laughs> oh. He said it was okay if I said that. I, I mean, he is, he is pretty special. He's a, he's a great leader. Um, what's not to love about him? I know, and uh, I'll save this story for the um, later on. You can keep going. <laughs> so <laughs> we we knew what drew you to uh, the team. Uh, what uh, uh, what is it about uh, the Blackhawks or uh, hockey in general that keeps you entertained and coming back? Um, it was something that, or it's a sport that Jason plays a lot of. Um, and it was just something that we could follow together. We were, it's something that interested both of us. And um, I honestly just like the fast pacedness of hockey and that there are a lot of teams to follow. There are a lot of players, but um, I just started to really enjoy following the different teams in the league and just the different players, um, especially the Canadian players. Um, and through like watching the Olympics, it's just uh just something that's really entertaining. Uh, now you've been fairly fortunate to see your your team reach the pinnacle uh, of the hockey world uh, more than once in the past ten years. Um, yes. But have you ever? I I know the answer to this, but for our, all of our <laughs> listeners, have you ever gotten to see your favorite team in person? Uh, yes, because of a very special wedding gift from two of my very closest friends, uh, we were able to see Chicago play for the first time. Actually, the first two times we saw Chicago was actually in Ottawa playing against the Senators. And what is it uh, like to see uh, more or less a, a live sporting event um, compared to watching them on TV? It's just the atmosphere honestly. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that I did go to Chicago um, in October 2019. So we were able to watch the home team play. Um, so in connection with that, just being able to, um, you know, the goal song, the Chelsea Dagger for the Blackhawks, it was absolutely electrifying to be able to experience that in person at the United Center. Um, along with um, when they sing the national anthem, they um and it's been talked about in the past it is one of the loudest places you will ever hear the um national anthem being sung 
And it's just crazy how the fans just keep going for it. It's just an amazing atmosphere. It's it's hard to beat those uh, those intense atmospheres. Um, since your team is not uh, in the local market or even the uh, region of <laughs> where you are, uh, how hard is it uh, to cheer for your team, especially given the, the time difference? It's really difficult because they do play. Um, now this year is a little bit different, I guess, where they are showing a game every day. Um, but normally like they're in the Western conference. So the time change is really, really difficult. That made it really hard to watch. Um, like the play when they were in the playoffs in 2015, when they won, it was like 2 AM here on a work day, which is really difficult, but it's also really difficult because um, not a lot of Chicago fans in the area. There's a lot of um, either Toronto or Montreal fans here. So uh, what? Uh, how did you decide to travel uh, to see your team in Chicago? Um, we decided to do it. Um, we always wanted to watch them live at the United Center. Um, and it kind of just presented the opportunity. We didn't go on a trip that year. Um, so we decided to fly there. We spent 10 days there and decided to go for um, the home opener. So we actually got to do the red carpet event. We got to meet the players um, and we got to experience three games, two of them being um, they were playing Canadian counterparts. So we got to see them play Winnipeg and Edmonton and San Jose. Would you say that uh, home opener is the, uh, the biggest sporting event uh, you've been able to, to see? Um, it is, um, along with, I would also consider, I saw a playoff game in 2019. I got to watch Calgary Flames and Colorado Avalanche in Calgary for game five. Ooh. It did not end well for Calgary, but it was st still good. <laughs> uh, have you been able to witness any memorable, unforgettable plays uh, in person? Um, nothing that stands out in my mind except for Johnny Goudreau not playing his best in that <laughs> Calgary game. <laughs> like, or just um, noticing how small he is, I guess, in stature compared to everyone, but he is very fast. Um, and again, I did, I have watched um, the Edmonton Oilers actually play as well. And the how fast McDavid is, is really quite an understatement until you see it in real life. Cameras just don't do it justice. They just, they're too slow. They're... No, seriously. He is so fast. Um, is it hard to follow a team when things aren't going so well uh, or things are being kind of mismanaged? I know Chicago's kind of up in the air right now on what, the direction of the team but they're doing very well so it's very conflicting um but uh does it does it play with you uh when things aren't going so well um yeah because there's a lot of obviously negative media coverage um and also it's really difficult when you see well it's it's just literally nature i mean the team the core team is aging that um, won the past three Stanley Cups. And it was really hard, actually, when um, 
Coach Q got fired to keep following. Well, not following, but like just being such a big fan of him and his coaching style. And I still follow him in Florida. Um, it was just kind of hard seeing all the coverage of like Chicago is essentially going through a rebuild. They have a lot more young players now and they're trying to, I think, enter the next phase. That, that's a that's a very diplomatic way of uh, of putting that. I like that. <laughs> now here's here a hard question, um, but have <laughs> you ever considered changing allegiances? Not officially. I will always pick a team in the playoffs that I will root for if Chicago is not either in the playoffs or like in the finals or whatever. Um, I do always put Jonathan Taves as my profile picture until they get eliminated from the playoffs every year. But, um, and I I will always try to root for a Canadian team if they are, but officially I don't think I can. I think that's acceptable answer. Everyone's going to have that, uh, you know, feel good team or a good story that you're like, you know what, if my team doesn't win, I'd be happy. So you can't, you can't not have a, I mean, there are definitely people who are, very against that uh, thought, but totally not on a positive thinking. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, uh, I, I guess we kind of have to like them, but. <laughs> uh, so here's a question um, that I sometimes struggle coming up with an answer with, but uh, because definitely been through a lot more pain lately than uh, ups but with all the pain the emotion the ups and downs the the feeling like you're just a part of the team and when they're not doing well you are not in a good mood with all that the team kind of puts you through but it's not their fault why do you do it um honestly because it's fun it's no matter even if it is the most heart-wrenching thing ever like Vegas killing you in the playoffs um it's just something you'll always be able to watch and to follow and it's just a point of interest that you can always bring up and honestly what's everything's not going to go well all the time so you might as well just stick it out see that I still can't answer that so uh i'm gonna steal i mean you got stutzel this year though so that's like a bright point in your future yes i i am as optimistic as i am that they'll make the playoffs this year it might have been a tad bit overblown on my excitement but uh (laughs) you know that we might not finish last and that's a a win that's that's a win in in the last 10 for quite a while (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, what is your favorite memory from your, your team? Um, it would probably be, um, being able to watch them in the home opener and probably being able, well, they weren't taking pictures. They were just like, um, the whole team was like walking through obviously, and you could high five them. This is obviously before COVID. Um, and I asked Duncan Keith if he was we take a picture with Jason. So that's probably one of our, um, one of our memories that we got to snap a picture with Jason's favorite player. I did not get to ask Jonathan Taves. Um, that's one thing I regretted. I was really nervous. My heart was going really fast. Um, but another memory is um, I honestly really enjoyed watching the 2015 Stanley cup and just watching what a beast Duncan Keith was. 
you've uh yeah you got a lot to pick from so um <laughs> uh do you find it easy to watch uh any sport or are there certain ones that uh even if it's on tv or background noise that you just it just wouldn't interest you um, no, I always like having something in the background, honestly. And sports is one thing that I go to, to have just as background because you don't necessarily always have to follow it. But if you want some white noise in the background, it's always good. Um, I always have baseball in the background for some reason mm. during the spring and summer. It's also very soothing to fall asleep to. That's a good <laughs> There's something one. about that announcer's voice. Not That's... like, not that it's boring. It's not boring. <laughs> it's just very soothing. I, uh, I very much uh, discovered that some sports uh, definitely can't be background noise because I get too invested and thus I don't write my essays or do my work. I apparently watch... it's golf for me. Ooh. <laughs> because apparently my husband says that like I start falling asleep to it and then I get very invested if like a player makes a long putt and then it lips out of the hole or like I get very invested in golf and I did not realize this. Uh, <laughs> you you have to you have to write down which ones are good, which ones are bad. So. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite team in a sport that you don't really follow? Um, that would be the Toronto Blue Jays, I think. Um, partly because they're the only Canadian team in the baseball league, but we like watching baseball. We just don't follow it as intently as hockey. Are there uh, certain sports or a sport that you are very intrigued that you want to get into? Or are you kind of, your hands are full and you don't have the time? Um, football is always something that always interests me. Um, like I'll always watch the Super Bowl every year, but I don't like follow any football team in particular. But it's just something that, um, there's a lot of fantasy football leagues here. And I guess maybe that's why I'm interested. But I've also been following golf a lot lately, um, probably because I've started to pick up playing it and I understand a, a bit of it more. Um, yeah, so golf and football. How do you think this pandemic will change the way we consume or watch sports? I think just with technology itself, everything's going to be streamed or available online anyways. But in terms of like being able to watch it live, I guess that's going to be dependent on um, venues and like state or province restrictions. Um, I guess that's just going to change the pandemic part will just change the aspect of like, I think the socialization, you know, like tailgate parties um, and just being able to be closer when watching. Do you think that um, any of the changes uh, from what we're seeing in professional sports, now not every sport has drastic change other than not allowing fans in the stands, but mm -hmm. with the NHL realignment and having such excitingness, do you think any changes that have come from this year will stick or are we just going to go back to, I, I guess, a normal? Um, I don't know if it will stick. I think, like, they 
obviously made the best out of the situation they had with making, you know, the Canadian division and realigning all the other divisions. Um, I kind of hope it doesn't because it, it does obviously change um, the sport itself because you're obviously seeing this, your team play the same however many teams instead of playing everyone. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What is one change that you would suggest uh, to a sport uh, to make to make it better? Um, I don't know. This is kind of just me because I'm a, we watch a U.S. team, obviously. Um, just the coverage, I guess. And just like being televised, like the game being televised. Now this year I do find it different. Um, the networks are sh- definitely showing more, more American games. Like I do watch, I love watching the Canadian games too, like on Hockey Night in Canada, but um, they are following a lot more American teams and just televising it as well. What makes a good rivalry? I had this conversation with uh, my husband, Jason, before this. I said like players that are like on an equal playing field, like they both have like equal skills. So like the games are really close. Do you know what I mean? Offensively and defensively. Um, he said siblings that play each other, I guess, because we've been following the Kachucks. Um, and I mean, there's we just listened to the uh, Mark Stone interview as well and just being able to listen to people that get to play against their siblings. Um, and just like, I guess like blood feuds, like certain people that just hate other players now I don't really know if that's true or if they're just playing it up for the media and the media almost like pits people or players against each other but uh, that's definitely good to watch them can you think of a rivalry I just thought of this you talking about the media (laughs) that uh like it seemed like the media was trying to create a rivalry but both teams were like no no we're good we're um I can't think of I think I just think of Brad Marchand versus everybody once he started like <laughs> Oh, um, I think the Crosby was it Crosby and Subban? The mouthwash thing? Ooh, that's a good one. Because I think after it came out it was nothing remotely close to that. I think Crosby said on the interview that he uh like it was just blown out of proportion. I mean, there's not a lot of drama teams, in right? hockey. Like, they so. played on Team Canada before. So, I mean, and honestly, um, what else was I going to say? Um, just Ryan Reeves and everyone else again, I say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or that he just likes to fight people. Um, and then I don't really know if this is real or not because you do see sound clips of the players themselves, but Dowdy and Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> oh, Oh, he does not like him at all. Yeah. So that I don't is, think the media is uh, playing that one at all. No, that, <laughs> <laughs> I think we have lots of evidence that dictates just how well <laughs> and how many Christmas cards they will be sending each other. <laughs> true, true. Um, are there any teams that you just absolutely despise, you hate, uh, you don't watch... And if another team is playing them, they're not playing your team and they lose, you're like, good. Um, Hate is a very strong word, but I will, um, I only say this because I think two, two of our family members are like diehard Maple Leaf fans. 
And so we like to make fun of them. Um, but I think it's, I don't hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the fans are annoying. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> that, uh, Yes, that makes absolutely sense because I have to deal with them almost on a daily basis. Um, And it's okay. You know, hate is a strong word, but it's okay to hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just (laughs) it's okay. You know, for far too long, we've been under the tyranny of the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's time for this to stop. And uh, (laughs) I think that and like just the coverage that they get over everyone else like i think people joke about it that like sports center is obviously toronto maple leafs like biased yes because you will always see those news that news before anything else oh yes the toronto sports network the yeah uh just i mean it's it's good for toronto like they have such a big base for all the sports it's just um it's just annoying i guess but i can't really hate the team this year because i obviously pick Matthews a lot <laughs> you know I, I will tell you it is a a rule for any fantasy of mine uh I even if they're the best player out there if I had the first pick and Austin Matthews was going to be first pick I would not pick a Toronto I've never picked a Toronto player on my fantasy team no like I've never maybe that's why I've never won but I, j- I, I just see I, I just gave can't. in this year I gave in this year on the um, part of the hockey pool. You have to pick, um, I think it's three teams. So the teams will itself will get you points. And then mm. obviously the one set was um, Canadian teams. I can't remember the other two, um, but I, um, I bit the bullet this year and I picked the leaf. So I'm really ashamed to say that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard, especially with, you know, how well they're doing. Not that, you know, Austin Matthews was ever available to me on my fantasy, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, and they have a lot of uh, strong players though, too, this year. Um, I think, anyways, like Nylander, you got Marner. Um, and I just love following Joe Thornton. That's true. It's yeah, uh, it's just it, I can't, can't do it. Just... <laughs> well, uh, lastly, uh, we just want to thank you for your time, uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, it was great to have you. Uh, is there something that you would like to say, uh, to your beloved Chicago Blackhawks? Um, I went over this with my husband before, so this is okay. Um, I just want to say, I love you, Jonathan Taves. And will you marry me? My husband said, it's okay. Um, that's all. (laughs) There you go. Our first marriage proposal on the podcast might be a little difficult. Um, he has a really hot girlfriend, so it's okay. Yeah, family <laughs> commitments already. You know, <laughs> legally, can it go ahead? But uh, we'll we'll find a way because this is a positivity podcast, and it's only good news. So uh, there you have it. Um, and thank you again, Sophie, for coming on, being our first. Uh, in the fandom series Uh, and if you have anyone who you think would be good on the podcast uh, let them know send us a message on our social media pages Uh, we have facebook instagram twitter uh, sports night podcast uh, or email us at sports night podcast at gmail.com of course if you're suggesting someone probably tell them that they're being recommended (laughs) 
because uh, we will contact them if you give us the opportunity or just contact us yourself so that uh, consent and surprise is out of the way. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, your Blackhawks are doing well. So, uh, you know, one of our teams have a chance to make it to the playoffs. So I wish you all the luck. That might be as far as we get, but that's okay. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, what? it's been hard watching the playoffs the past couple of years, but um, exactly. I will still follow. I, I still, you know, 2017 was so many not that long ago. It wasn't long ago, but watching back, it seems. And that game was really close. Just, uh, I, you know, so, sometimes I still have to turn it off because it's still too, it hurts. And barely anyone is on that team anymore. So it's like it's 20 years ago, but. That actually is the funniest part because the best picture I've ever seen is like the picture of the Ottawa Senators and everyone else in a different, like in a different team Jersey. Cause they're not there anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're, and it's hard because you had a lot of good players to follow. Like when we were watching them in Ottawa, um, honestly, it wasn't, it was really kind of hard to root against Ottawa. Cause we did like a lot of the players. We, we had a team and then we turned into, this is a team and uh, it's a new decade, you know, new decade, new, uh, new me. Oh, well, sending you lots of comfort, <laughs> Justin. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Sports Night Podcast. Enjoy watching so much hockey. Spring's coming, so the warm weather, all that ice and snow is uh, hopefully starting to melt. And uh, you get back out there. Baseball's coming up soon. Basketball's heading into uh, the latter half of the season. So this is the exciting time flowers and everything are awakening and uh get outside enjoy that fresh air uh stay safe and as always sport on